You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined by managing editor of HogBeat.com, Andrew Hutchinson. Before we get started, if you like this video, hit the thumbs up, give us a, give us a subscribe as well, and then also go to HogBeat.com and subscribe to hogbeat.com we have a deal for students going on we ran it last year we're running it again this year hutch if you want to kind of explain that it's a great deal for students yeah if you're a college student you know whether it be at the university of arkansas or somewhere else uh shoot me an email with your edu uh, email address and i will get you hooked up with the first year of hogbeat subscription for just 11.95 that's usually 100 dollars, and you're going to be getting it for basically 12 so that's a heck of a deal. Just send me an email, andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com, and I will get you hooked up with that deal. Yes, you don't want to miss out on any of that coverage, um, especially basketball and baseball coming up, especially baseball. Um, you're not going to find any better baseball coverage on Arkansas baseball than over at hogbeat.com. So go check it out. Hutch is easily the best in the business. And then you have myself and Alex Trader, who's not going to be with us today. Um, but we're going to start with basketball, Hutch. So Arkansas, I mean, just demolishes Georgia, 99-73 to 73 in Athens. Um, Stanley Amude, what a game from Stanley Amude. I mean, what, 31 points? And this is the Stanley Amude. We've talked about it. A lot of people have talked about it. But you expected the guy who's this elite scorer to come in and be the elite scorer. And you saw glimpses of it. There were a couple games where he, you know, he was a – at will score, but this is the game where it's like, if you can have this Stanley Amude moving forward, this Arkansas team can be really dangerous, Hutch. Yeah, and, and what's crazy is this isn't necessarily the exact, exactly what we were expecting from Stanley Amude because the 31 points he scored against Georgia were, he was six of eight from three-point range. And, you know, he is a capable three-point shooter. I would say even a good three-point shooter, you know, historically hasn't been this year. Uh, but he hasn't relied completely on the three-point shot to score uh, like he did or like he was able to do against Georgia. I mean, that was a career high for threes, uh, previously never made more than five. Uh, so that was fantastic to see. And usually he's, he's beating you with, you know, his mid-range game, getting to the basket, things like that. But if he can be a three-level scorer like what he showed – against Georgia, that would be incredible because you we know what we got in, in J.D. Note. We know what Jalen Williams can be at this point. Uh, so it, I think that if that kind of development would be huge for Arkansas. I've, I've been kind of skeptical and saying, like, I, I still don't know if they're going to be a team that can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But if we see what we saw at Stanley Amude, you know, throughout the rest of the year, then I think they could be a dangerous team in March. Yeah, and I mean, the performance from Amude really overshadowed what J.D. Note did. I mean, you know what you're going to get from J.D. Note on a nightly basis, but he puts up 23 points, nine rebounds, six assists. A great game from J.D. Note, added three steals as well. Um, but it, it wasn't even just Note and Amude. Just all around, Arkansas had a great game, aside from the defense in the first half. And Eric Musselman talked about that after the game. Stanley Mude talked about that after the game, but at halftime, you're looking at 53 to 47, 100 points scored in the first half. And then Arkansas almost gets 100 in the game, but it, this is a team that they're starting to come together. And Eric Musselman talked after the game about the, the chemistry of the team. How many, how many times did we talk about when Arkansas was struggling? Like, there's no chemistry. Nobody knows their role. They don't know what they're doing. Who, who does what? Who plays what role in this team? And now they know it, and they're starting to play well. And, you know, Musselman talked, I, I believe it was when they were in Kansas City, about how they needed to go on road trips and vibe together and, you know, get to know each other better. And it seems like they're really doing that. They're on a seven-game win streak. And you have your starting five, but look at it. I mean, Chris Likes. How bad has Chris Likes been? And then against Georgia, that's the Chris Likes that you need moving forward. Yeah, that's another guy that could be an X factor for Arkansas if they're going to make another deep run in the NCAA tournament is Chris Likes. I mean, to say he was bad would be putting it lightly. There was a four-game stretch there where he was just 
he was awful. I mean, it got to the point where I was like, why is he even on the floor? Uh, and, you know, we saw it against Ole Miss. He only played one minute. And then he only played eight minutes against West Virginia. He played a little bit better. I gave him a little bit of credit, you know, on the message board and, you know, things like that. You know, I thought he played uh, improved against West Virginia, even though it was a limited role. And then to see him come out and play like he did against Georgia was just incredible. I mean, everyone thinks that Chris likes is kind of a score first guy. He's not a true point guard, but he looked like a true point guard against the Bulldogs. I mean, he was making really great passes. I think he finished with seven assists and really probably should have had more than that. He made several other really good passes where either his teammate got fouled or uh, just didn't finish, or maybe it was the pass that set up an assist. Uh, he was just a really, really good player. And plus he also played defense. That was another thing that Eric Mussman had been critical of, of Chris likes is he just hasn't been able to play good defense. And it's hard when you're five foot seven. Uh, but he was, he had like, I think four steals against Georgia. He was just kind of a pest. I think Eric Mussman said he was playing hide and seek on inbounds passes where uh, he would just kind of come out of nowhere to steal the inbounds pass when Georgia wasn't, you know, prepared for it. Uh, just a, a truly all around fantastic performance by a guy that uh, a week ago I was ready to just put on the bench and never put in the game again. But uh, he, he showed that he still has some value and, uh, if he can play like that, just like if Stanley Moody can play like he did, then Arkansas has a really good chance to, to finish really high in the SEC, earn a DC in the NCAA tournament, and then maybe make it the second weekend again. Yeah, I mean, Chris likes, let's see, nine points, seven assists, four steals. And Eric Musselman talked about after the game how the past four or five days, Chris likes had been in the gym more than he had been all year. He had been talking in practice more than he had been all year. And so I, I think they kind of felt it going into that game, like this is going to be a good game for Chris Likes. And sure enough, he he had a great game. And so that's that's just the buy-in that you need from this team. And it seems like you're finally getting it. And it, it, it probably took, what, one minute against Ole Miss for Chris Likes to be like, oh, shoot, maybe I should start working a little bit harder. And he did. And, I mean, Stanley Amude said he's roommates with Chris Likes. And – you know, Chris finally figured it out, and that's great for Arkansas. But another guy that Amude talked about was Kamani Johnson. He said going into the game, he could see it in Kamani Johnson's eyes, like Kamani's going to have a game. And, I mean, he played 11 minutes, but four points, four rebounds. For for Kamani Johnson to come in and put in some minutes, especially with Jalen Williams getting in some foul trouble in the first half, that's great for Arkansas because – that's something they didn't have last year. Like once, once they they played they played small ball a lot last year because Justin Smith six six was usually the tallest guy on the court. And so now when Jalen Williams goes out, you can put in a guy who's in Kamani Johnson who's still going to be a big guy on the court. That's that's pretty good for Arkansas, especially with this lineup that Musselman said he wants to go with. He wants to go with a bigger, more physical lineup, and that's how Kamani Johnson plays. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is Kamani plays physical? He he's not just a uh you know, tall guy, like, you know, for example, last year, Vance Jackson was probably, I, I want to say about the same height as Kamani Johnson, but a totally different player. He was not going to go be physical, fight for rebounds, things like that, which that's not necessarily a knock on him. He's a fine player, didn't work out at Arkansas. Uh, but, you know, Kamani, he's not the guy that's going to light up the score sheet. He's not going to score a bunch of points. He's not going uh, to just have the sexiest overall stat line and probably not going to play at the time. But you need somebody to go in there and play when Jalen Williams gets in foul trouble. You need somebody to play when Jalen Williams gets tired. I mean, it's hard to play 40 minutes, you know, an entire game, although we've seen some guys do that this year for Arkansas. So it, to have a guy like that be able to come off the bench and know his role, I think that was something Eric Melsman says, like he knows his role. He's not going to go out there and jack up a, a three-pointer just because. Like he knows he's in there to clean up the boards, play physical defense, be kind of a pest down low. And, you know, he's, he's done that. And, and if you get guys playing their roles, you know, just like we talked about Chris likes, you know, playing his role and not trying to do too much and distributing the ball and, you know, Stanley Mude knowing his role and scoring and, and doing other things like rebounding and distributing as well. Like if guys know their roles, that's when you're dangerous. And, and I think they struggled with that early on. And that's what we saw when they lost five of six. Uh, but now they've won seven straight, and it seems like those roles are, are starting to be more defined. 
and the players are buying into them. So Arkansas beats up on Georgia. I mean, they they shot 56.3% from the field, 53.6% from three. I want to ask you, Hutch, we know Georgia's not that great of a team. I mean, they're now 6-16. and They're 1-8 and in the SEC. That one win came against Alabama, but, I mean, still, it's it's a Georgia team that they, they've had injury problems. They're just not that great. They had some great guys transfer out. How much of this game was Arkansas – is Arkansas is good, and how much of it was Georgia is just pretty bad? Yeah, Georgia's terrible defensively. I mean, there's a reason they gave up 99 points. I think on Ken Palm going into the game, they were right around 300th in the country in defensive efficiency rating. Uh, so they're not a good team. However, you were still only projected to win that game by about 10, something like that. I think the spread was 10. I think ESPN Basketball Power Index had it around 9. Uh, I think some of those other projections had them right around that kind of margin. So you win by double digits, but they just dismantled Georgia. And so I think that was really encouraging to see, just like, you know, Missouri was not a good team at the beginning of this streak. And you're like, okay, well, they just need to win. Well, they didn't just win. They went out and won by 40 plus. So winning like that, getting the style points per se uh, is big. You know, I saw where Arkansas jumped up to, I think, number 37 in the net rankings. I think they're up around like 25th and Ken Palm and Sagarin and, and things like that. And that, that all isn't just the fact that they won, but it's the way they won. They controlled that game. You know, they did trail for bits of the first half and it was kind of a close game, but that was with Georgia just playing out of its mind, shooting like 53, 56%, something like that. And Arkansas still had a six point lead at halftime. So that kind of shows you how well Arkansas played you know, offensively, and then they played their usual lockdown defense in the second half. You know, if they had played that way in the first half, they would have won. It would have been just like the Missouri game, you know, winning by 40-plus. So still an impressive showing by Arkansas just to, to take care of business for one and then also to do it with style like they did. Yeah, and a lot of what you heard early on in the season was Arkansas was playing down to their competition. And now you're seeing they're winning the games that they're supposed to win. And they won big against Georgia. You mentioned the Missouri game. That's a game where you could have played down to your competition, and they didn't. And so you win the games you're supposed to win, and that's the most important thing. And now Arkansas is sitting at 17-5, and 6-3 and three in conference play. Um, is I mean, Arkansas is probably the third-best team in the SEC behind Kentucky and Auburn. <laughs> Auburn coming into uh, Fayetteville next Tuesday. So that's pretty big, and if you get a, if Arkansas gets a win over Mississippi State, you're probably looking at a ranked matchup between Arkansas and Auburn next Tuesday. But you got to get past Mississippi State first. Hutch, we talked about this stretch that Arkansas is in right now. You had to win. We I think we said like I don't I don't remember what the stretch. Maybe it was a five or six game stretch, and it was like you got to win like at least four or five of those games. Well, here they are. They've won seven in a row. And you get Mississippi State, a game you should probably win, and then you get Auburn, and you're hitting that stretch that we talked about, the late-season stretch where it's not going to be easy. But Arkansas did exactly what they have to do, had to do leading up to this stretch. They've won seven straight. They've set themselves up where, yes, they can lose a few. And Eric Musselman said after the Georgia game, like, they know that they're going to have a letdown at some point. But they are at the point now – where they can come back from that. So do you think, I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier, you don't know if they can make a deep run, but this is a tournament team now. Yeah, they've definitely played themselves to the right side of the bubble. I don't know what the latest, you know, Joe Lenardi bracketology says, but I think they're definitely a team that's in the field right now. Uh, they, they've played themselves into the field. They probably still need to win a few more games just to, you know, clinch their spot but as it as it stands right now if the tournament started today I think they'd be in the field I'm not sure what seed they'd be uh, but I feel like they're they're in there as I think they're third in the SEC standings right now maybe tied for third uh, so you're, you're going to make the NCAA tournament if you can maintain that kind of spot but as you said it gets a lot harder I mean Mississippi State is still you know comes to Bud Walton that's probably one of your last few quote-unquote easy games and even that's not an easy game uh, you still go to at Missouri. Uh, that's a road game. You did beat them by 40-plus on your home floor. Uh, 
I doubt you're going to win by 40 plus in Columbia, but that's, that's a game you should win. And then other than that, it's a bunch of really tough teams. you got home and away against Tennessee, Alabama coming to town. And you got LSU coming to town. That's a really, really tough stretch. So uh, definitely need to still win some games, but as things stand, I feel like they're in a really good spot when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And really that's all you can ask for is like, you'll make the NCAA tournament every year and then, who knows what happens? It's all about matchups at that point. All right, real quick before we wrap up our basketball talk, I want to ask you this. We're going to kind of tease something that our guy, J.C. Hoops, Jackson Collier, is going to be um, coming out with here in a few days. Hutch, J.D. Note, maybe SEC player of the year, maybe not. What are your thoughts on him possibly being SEC player of the year? Because he's really playing himself into that. Yeah, I think it's it's incredible the season he's had after being sixth man of the year in the SEC last year. Uh, he's leading the league in scoring, I think leads the league in steals. Uh, so he's definitely got the stats to back it up. And if Arkansas can keep winning, I think that's going to be the key. I think that's one reason Mason Jones a couple of years ago wasn't a unanimous SEC player of the year. But there's definitely some really good players. Uh, Auburn has a guy whose name is escaping me right now that I would say maybe the front runner. Uh, but there, there are some really good players in this league. And I know Arkansas fans you just look at, well, the, who's better than J.D. Note? Like, how can you be better than the leading scorer and leading steals guys doing it on both ends of the floor? But uh, there's a lot more that goes into it than just stats. So I, I'm not ready to say he's the front runner at this point, but I think he definitely belongs in that conversation. All right. Well, up next, we're going to talk baseball. Um, the team has some scrimmages over the weekend. Then they got some more coming up if if they can get this snow cleared off. We don't I don't know how that's gonna work out, but um, we're gonna talk baseball. We're gonna look ahead to the baseball season, and then we're gonna talk some football recruiting, junior days, a new D-line coach, all of that coming up on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on hitthatline.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Mason Choate and Andrew Hutchinson with you. We're going to talk some Arkansas baseball right now. So the Hogs had scrimmages over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, really the big question that everybody wants to know is Peyton Paulette, he, he down, out, out for the season. He's not going to pitch for Arkansas this season. We know Connor Nolan is probably your lock for he's going to be a starter. So he, he pitched on Saturday. He had two innings, five strikeouts. Hutch, outside of Connor Nolan, it, I mean, you've heard Hagen Smith, you've heard Jackson Wiggins. We know it's going to be between five or six guys, but from what you saw, um, what do you think of some of the other guys who could possibly be a starter for Arkansas this season? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that Hagen Smith and Jackson Wiggins are two guys that can, can be those other guys along with Connor Nolan. Those are both, you know, first-round caliber arms uh, that that would be that really heralded that they, they can throw hard they can pitch really well I mean Hagen is also a lefty so you'd have a lefty in the rotation that would always be good uh, but neither one of them like went out there and just dominated Jackson Wiggins actually struggled uh, I know he had a decent first inning I think he had a double play ball that kind of helped him get out of the first inning unscathed and then I don't think he recorded an out in his second inning of work uh, he got hit around pretty hard uh, struggled with his commands, kind of some of the same issues we saw from him last year, which was really discouraging to see. Uh, but again, that was just your first outing of preseason scrimmages. So we'll see how he develops over the next couple of weeks, because that's a guy they really want to be a you know dependable arm, whether that be as a starter, or maybe he's just a guy that can give you a couple innings out of the bullpen. And, you know, if he can pump 97 for a couple innings, then, hey, I'll take it. You know, I mean, that, that, that would be really good. You know, a name that that maybe surprised me uh, just because we, we haven't really heard much about him is Mark Adamiak. Uh, he's a guy that has been at Arkansas for a couple of years. He, he made a couple of appearances in the pandemic shortened 2020 season. Uh, didn't exactly do well. I think he struggled. I think he had like the worst ERA on the team, you know, just in limited uh, innings. And then he redshirted last year, didn't play at all. Then he goes, I see him pop up in the Cape Cod. I'm like, what in the world? Why is this guy in the Cape Cod? I mean, the prestigious summer ball uh, league. And uh, he, he did okay. Like 
put up decent numbers, drew some, you know, positive reviews. And then all of a sudden Van Horn's telling us the other day that he's touched 98 and could be a guy that, that pitches a lot for him. And I'm like, oh, what? This guy throws 98. Are you kidding me? This is a guy that was originally signed with, with Wichita state and was heading there until he was a late add to Arkansas. I don't know exactly how that all unfolded, but man, what a pickup for Arkansas. If this guy can come in and throw 98 and be a dependable arm. I mean, he had a, a pretty good outing the other day in his scrimmage. It was against not necessarily the starters. You got to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but he was a name that, that I was really impressed by. You know, Heston Toll is a guy that's really intriguing. He looked really good as a true freshman uh, in limited innings uh, last year. Had a pretty good ERA. Uh, made some, you know, had some big innings in some big games. Uh, maybe he's a guy who could be a starter. I think he had a pretty good summer. I uh, can't remember where he played. I want to say maybe the California League or something. So uh, he's a guy that could maybe be a starter for him. Um, I mean, as you can tell, there's just so many question marks, a lot of really talented arms, guys that, that can be starters, guys that could be key relievers, long relievers. Uh, really, the only thing, as you said, that that's really solidified right now is Connor Nolan is going to be a starter. And honestly, he looks the part of a Friday night ace. Uh, maybe not necessarily as talented as a uh, Hagen Smith, Jackson Wiggins, uh, you know, Peyton Paulette, but a guy can pitch. He's a veteran, older guy, and, and looked really, really dominant on Saturday. So maybe he could be a guy that is your ace, and then you just kind of figure it out from there. Yeah, I mean, look, you look back to Nolan's freshman year. I mean, think about all the movement he had on his pitches, and it was just like the one thing on him was he didn't have the velocity that you wanted him to have. And Van Horn's talked about how he's added he's added some velocity. I think he said he's up to 92, 93 on some pitches. I don't think we saw that on Saturday, but you would like to trust Van Horn at his word. So um, yeah, we talked about starters, and we don't have to go super in-depth on the bullpen because I, I'll have a bullpen story coming out here in the next few days, um, kind of detailing some of the guys that can make an impact out of the bullpen. But, uh, Hutch, who do you really think is going to – Maybe be, I mean, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna be Kevin Cops. That's not gonna happen. But somebody who can come out and maybe be your number one guy out of the bullpen. I'm, I mean, some of the guys I look at, I think, you know, Nick Griffin, Isaac Bracken, Zach Morris, like those, those are the guys that I'm looking at. Or is there anybody maybe outside of those three names that you think could be a, a, a force out of the bullpen? You know, I think one of these freshmen is going to emerge. I mean, Nick Moten is a guy that he wasn't necessarily the most heralded guy. I think in perfect game rankings, he was like 300-something. So, like, not one that's going to, like, draw a bunch of headlines. But he's a guy that looked really good. He seems to be more polished. He throws in the mid-90s already. Uh, so, I think he could be a guy that, you know, maybe closes games for you or maybe he's just a guy that's a, a really good bullpen arm. Uh, you know, another freshman that that kind of impressed me over the weekend I saw him pitch on Monday is uh, Brady Tigert. Uh, he's a guy that's was he's a top 100 recruit, top 75 recruit, something like that. You know, one of the guys that did draw those headlines did not pitch much at all. May, I think I heard he pitched maybe one inning in the spring uh, before he had to get shut down injuries, stuff like that. But he looked really good against some uh, decent hitters, if I remember correctly in the scrimmage on Monday. So maybe he's the guy that could be uh, someone to give you some valuable innings out of the bullpen. But you, know, you mentioned uh, Isaac Bracken. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a stud for Arkansas out of the bullpen. He, he's a guy that was a Friday night guy from Northern Colorado a couple of years back. He was expected to be a key bullpen guy this past season in 2021, uh, but he had a, an arm injury, had to redshirt the entire year, sit out. And he came, he wanted to come back and he really wanted to pitch for Arkansas. And here he is. And he goes out and, and looks really good for a couple innings in a scrimmage. Uh, almost perfect. I think he allowed one base runner or something, but nothing, nothing beyond that. So those, those are some guys that I could, I could see being big key bullpen arms. And of course, you mentioned uh, Zach Morris being a left-hander. He's a guy you need to be the guy you expect him to be. He's a guy that has a ton of potential. I had heard his name being mentioned as a potential starter a couple of years ago. I don't know if that's a, a something that's in his future, but if he could just be a, a guy that gives you two, three innings out of the bullpen, that would be massive, especially if you don't have like a super solidified rotation 
and your starters don't give you more than, you know, four or five innings, you need someone like Zach Morris kind of bridge you to whoever your closer ends up being. Yeah, Morris is a guy that he's he's shown glimpses during his time at Arkansas last year. I think he threw 15 innings. Um, I'd have to look back at the strikeouts he had, but he shown he showed signs last year. He played in the Cape Cod over the summer, had had a 1.2 ERA and 25 something innings pitched. So he I, I like Zach Morris, um, like he said, but let, let's go to this batting lineup because last year somehow i mean all year it was the lineup for arkansas that was just so dominant so much power and then at the end of the year really the achilles heel was you couldn't get hits and so this year you look at this lineup i mean it's almost like they have two starting lineups that they could throw out there of of guys at the plate that are just really good um and i i look at this past week in the scrimmages. I mean, of course, Caden Wallace, you want to talk about a guy who probably saw his name wasn't on the all American list and wanted to make a point. He didn't play Saturday, but Sunday, Monday, four at bats, four hits and a home run. I mean, this dude, Caden Wallace. I mean, you think Caden Wallace is probably going to be an all American this year, Hutch. I think he could end up being the best player on the team. I mean, no, no shade at all at Robert Moore, uh, Jalen Battles or, or anyone else, but I think Caden Wallace could have a monster record-breaking year for, for Arkansas. I think he's definitely all SEC. He could be in the mix for SEC player of the year because uh, the dude can hit. I mean, that's he's gonna, I think he's going to have a higher batting average this year. Uh, I think his batting average maybe didn't look super great last year, but if you look at what he did in SEC play, it was very comparable to the freshman seasons of Heston Kerstad and Casey Martin. And that, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good company to be in. So uh, I think he could be a guy that just has a monster year. Plus he's moved from the outfield to the third base. That's kind of his natural position. I got to talk to him after Monday scrimmage and you could just tell he was so happy to be back at third base. That's where he loves to play. And he's just so athletic. He's going to be really, really good there. I mean, I, everyone talks about how good Jacob Nesbitt's glove was at third base last year. I think Caden Wallace is going to be just as good defensively, but miles better at the plate. So could be a, a, a in store for a really special season from the Arkansas third baseman. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that maybe the move to third base was part of the reason he wasn't named an All-American, preseason All-American, because, I mean – there's a lot of teams that those national guys have to cover. So I'm sure that maybe that slipped under the rug, but I want to talk about some of these newcomers that we watched in the, uh, in the scrimmages, because he, there's some really good newcomers. You talk about Peyton Stovall, a guy who you're talking about preseason all American. He's there in almost all the lists. So Peyton Stovall, um, he had three hits and nine at bats. Um, another guy, Jace Borfin out of Oklahoma, um, a guy that, I, I expect big things from Chris Lanzilli from Wake Forest. I mean, if you look at his stats at Wake Forest, this dude was just a powerhouse, and he didn't have a hit over the weekend. So maybe a newcomer that impressed you doesn't have to be one of those three, Hutch. Yeah, one you didn't mention that I think is going to be really, really good for Arkansas is Michael Turner, the catcher transfer from Kent State. Uh, technically, he's a guy who could play either the corner infield spots as well. Uh, if, but if he can stay healthy, which is something he struggled with throughout his career, I think he could be really, really good for Arkansas. He kind of brings a veteran uh, kind of presence behind the play. And that's no, no diss on Dylan Leach at all. I think Dylan Leach is going to play and play quite a bit, probably more than most backup catchers uh, have under Dave Van Horn in recent years. Uh, but he's also a guy, he's a sophomore, but he technically should be just a true freshman this year because he skipped his senior year of high school to come and play for Arkansas early. So really young dude. Uh, whereas uh, Michael Turner has been around for a long time. Yes, he played in the MAC, not anywhere close to the same as the SEC, uh, but I've just heard nothing but positive things about him. I mean, Dave Van Horn said something along the lines of like, I don't know how he's here. Like he should be playing pro ball right now. Like he is really, really good. And I've heard the same thing from Caden Wallace. I've heard the same thing from other player people that are around the program. I've been really high on him. So I think he's a guy, and I think D1 Baseball just ranked him as like the 11th best catcher in the country. Uh, so pretty crazy that you're going from a Casey Opitz who was fantastic to a Michael Turner who 
I mean, you might see a little bit of a drop off defensively. He's probably not going to throw out guys at the same rate as Casey Opitz did because Opitz was just incredible at that. But he's not bad defensively behind the plate. And I think he's a much better offensive threat uh, at catcher as well. So it, I don't know if we're going to see a ton of drop off there at the catcher spot with Michael Turner coming in. That would be great for Arkansas. And, you know, Casey Opens, you talk about him. He always had the clutch gene at the plate, but he was never like a, a super consistent hitter. And you might get that with Michael Turner. Also worth mentioning that Jalen Battles recovering from injury. He he played, looked okay, nine, nine at bats, three hits. So that's another guy that you needed out there. And Jalen Battles um, was out there. So we're going to wrap up the baseball talk because we got to run. But um, we're going to talk football next. And then uh, let's see, what are we going to talk football? We're going to talk recruiting, and then we're going to talk new D-line coach. We're going to talk junior days, everything you want to know, all that here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Mason Choate and Andrew Hutchinson here with you. I'm the host. Andrew Hutchinson is the managing editor of Hogbeat.com. So we're going to talk National Signing Day for football, which used to be a big deal. A lot of people on our message board are talking about how it used to be something that, you know, this was a big day. It felt like Christmas, and now it's just it's just there. And nothing really happened for Arkansas on National Signing Day. The only thing that you kind of wanted to happen was Miles Rouser commit. Hutch, that didn't happen. Kind of fill us in on that situation. Yeah, so it had been kind of a, a rumor the last several weeks with, with Miles Rouser that he was not going to be signing. <laughs> I had heard that and had been trying to track it down. And, and of course, you know, signing day has come and gone uh, without him signing. That was kind of expected. I, I'd heard from multiple sources uh, leading up to National Signing Day that that, that was not going to happen. Uh, been, I haven't been able to track down exactly what it is, whether it be grades or off the field stuff, a mixture of both. I'm not 100% sure, uh, but this is not a thing that surprised them by any means. I know it may surprise some fans who kind of casually follow recruiting uh, when you see that a four-star uh, defensive back uh, commitment ends up not signing. Uh, but, you know, you kind of had some, had some concerns whenever he chose not to sign in December. I mean, this is a guy that had been committed since uh, March of last year. So he's been in the fold for a while, uh, but did not sign in December and now has not signed in February. Uh, so it's, it is a pretty, pretty big loss for Arkansas because the class was uh, firmly in the top 20 on rivals and now has fallen uh, from 18th to 23rd as of this recording. Uh, this could change as we figure out, you know, what other, other schools do, other commitments and everything. Uh, but it's still a pretty solid class, but it is kind of a bummer to end it with, you know, dropping off one of your rivals, 250 commitments. So you don't get Rouser, but Arkansas still has some spots to fill. And a lot of your stories about recruiting have ended with, you know, this is how many spots Arkansas has left. This is how many spots they've already filled. Um, and it seems like every time there's news, it changes and it's hard to keep up with. Um, especially for the people that you mentioned, like the your casual recruiting followers. And I, I, I will say that's myself. I don't follow recruiting very heavily. That's for Alex Trader to do. And he's busy with that right now while we're recording. But fill us in on the scholarship count, how many players Arkansas can add, because they're probably going to add a couple players out of the portal um, here between now and the season. Yeah, so they've got 20 high school kids that are signed, uh, all of them signed during in, in December, and they've also landed five transfers. You know, the two back in December, Hazelwood and Jackson, and then they've, of course, added three more uh, in uh, Breeny, McGlothern, and Sanders. Uh, so that, that puts you at 25. That would normally be the limit. You can only bring in 25 so-called initial counters, which is a traditional high school or junior college signees or transfers out of the portal. Uh, but this year, the NCAA allowed teams to go add an extra seven. So that would put you at 32. However, Arkansas signed over in the previous cycle when they brought in the three defensive line transfers and Warren Thompson, the, the wide receivers, transfers and, and put them on scholarship. Uh, so you have to take away four of those. So that puts you at 28 spots. They've used 25. 
Uh, so that means you've got three more spots to use on scholarship players. Uh, and I, as you said, fully expect it to be transfers, probably going to be after spring ball. You know, there's usually another wave of guys transferring. We saw it last year, you know, Mike Woods left Arkansas, uh, but then you also brought in those three defensive line transfers as well as uh, Warren Thompson, the wide receiver. All those guys came in and entered the fold after spring ball. So uh, you're probably going to see another wave of guys. Uh, these are all guys that should be immediately eligible. Um, they, uh, as long as they enter the portal or declare their intention to transfer by May 1st and they're outside of the conference, they will be immediately eligible to play in 2022. Uh, SEC players, if you're wanting to land another transfer, you know, like four of your five transfers right now are from other SEC schools. To get one of those guys, it has to be someone who announced he was transferring before February 1st. So Tuesday of this week, uh, that was kind of the deadline for interconference transfers to be immediately eligible. Uh, although I bet there's probably an appeals process you could go through. So uh, still a lot of time for Arkansas to add players to their roster. And, you know, they, they really need to. They, they need a defensive tackle or two and maybe some other positions as well. So still lots to follow and track, but probably going to be a couple of months before we get anything new on that front. Well, speaking of following and tracking, something that you've been following and tracking is all these preferred walk-on commitments for Arkansas over the past few weeks. We talked about some last week but there's been a few more since then so kind of fill us in there's a couple in-state guys and then a, a guy from texas i believe as well yeah i think the one that i'm kind of you know most excited about it is this daryl searcy uh daryl searcy jr a running back from joe t robinson we know that program has been really good to arkansas in recent years with, with prospects that so we just signed uh where we just saw emmanuel or marion harris sign uh, the big four-star offensive lineman from Joe T. Robinson. Uh, Cersei's a guy who had some offers to some, some group of five schools early in the process, like Memphis, North Texas. Uh, he had also taken an official visit to Missouri State uh, with Bobby Petrino. Uh, but then after that, ultimately decided he wanted to play for the Hogs and be a preferred walk-on. So that's going to be one of those. And then a couple other in-state guys, uh, John Paul Pickens, a safety from Jonesboro, and Brooks Edmondson, an offensive lineman from Bryant uh, Pickens. Uh, he had taken some official visits to some of the service academies, Air Force, Army, and also had some offers from Arkansas State, Troy. But again, he's a guy that apparently wanted to be a Razorback his whole life and uh, going to stay in-state. And again, that's another program you want to have you know, a pipeline into. They've, they've produced some good players, Jashad Stewart, Marco Avant. Those are guys that have signed with Arkansas there in recent years. And then Edmondson, the offensive lineman, he's the third in-state offensive line preferred walk-on commit, uh, joining uh, Kai Hamilton from Hope and Brock Burns from Ozark, two guys we talked about last week. Uh, so Edmondson, he had previously been committed to Princeton. So we know he's a smart guy, uh, probably has you know plenty of grades to, to come to Arkansas. Uh, so another pickup for them. And then one of the maybe the more intriguing pickups is Kyle Thompson, a defensive end from Aledo, Texas. That's another pipeline Arkansas would probably like to get into. Uh, you know, that's a, it's a program that produces some good football players. Uh, he's a guy who had offers from Oregon State, Air Force, uh, Lamar. That's an FCS program there in Texas. Uh, so a, a good pickup for Arkansas. These guys are, you know, maybe not, you know, high caliber, top notch, you know, recruits, uh, but we've seen some preferred walk-ons in the past. You know, Grant Morgan comes to mind that, that have contributed heavily and been really good for Arkansas. So it's, it's always good to get quality uh, walk-ons in the program that are going to help you with, with depth, help you in terms of scout team, things like that. So I believe they're up to nine preferred walk-on commitments now uh, by my count. Uh, and all of them have been, you know, guys you want in the program as guys that can you know add, provide you that additional depth. Now I, I might catch you off guard off guard here, but I kind of want to ask you: of these nine that you just mentioned, is there a guy that you look at and you 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 might have some confidence that hey, this could be maybe not a Grant Morgan type, but a guy who could earn a scholarship and make an actual impact during his time at Arkansas. I think the most obvious answer is probably Blake Ford, the kicker from Texas. I think he's from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, he's a guy that they recruited 
you know, obviously you've got Cam Little who's going to be kicking your field goals and extra points. That, that's no question. Uh, but you did lose Vito Calvaruso, one of the top kickoff specialists in the country. Ford is a guy that could come in and fill that role. Uh, do I expect him to be as good as Vito right away? Probably not. But I think he's got a really strong leg. I saw a video of him making like a 73-yard field goal in practice. Obviously, that's in practice, and you're not going to be kicking a 73-yarder in a game. But it shows you he has the leg. Uh, and if he could come in and be consistent, you know, not kick it out of bounds and consistently get in the end zone, things like that, he could be a guy that comes in and plays right away as a freshman. That way you can have Cam Little just focus solely on the field goals and extra points and have another guy as your kickoff specialist. So he would probably be the guy that I would say has the most likely chance of contributing either right away or early on. All right, well, up next, we're going to talk about Arkansas's new defensive line hire. We're going to talk about the last weekend of junior days, um, maybe some guys that are interested in Arkansas, some guys that um, Alex Trader talked about in his junior days articles that he had going out. So we'll hit all that and wrap it up here on the Hogbeat Hour next. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Mason Choate and Andrew Hutchinson with you. Hutch, before we get to everything, um, let's just knock out some business details. So if you want to subscribe to our YouTube, definitely do that. All the great content, including the Hogbeat Hour press conferences. Alex does recruiting notebooks. Hutch does Know the Foe every once in a while. It's not football season anymore, but he'll get to more of that. Coming soon, we'll have the Omaha's podcast on the YouTube. All of that on the YouTube. Go to hogbeat.com, subscribe to hogbeat.com. Hutch, tell them about what they can do to subscribe to hogbeat.com. Yeah, go to hogbeat.com and, and any story that we have, click on it. There's a, a link to subscribe at the top of it. Uh, you can be a, a monthly subscriber. It's about $10 a month, or you can be an annual subscriber. It's uh, about $100 a year. Uh, so you save a little bit of money doing the annual subscription if you pay up front. Plus, if you are a college student, we are back into our uh, running our promo again for any type of college student, whether you're attending the U of A or any other school in the country, uh, send me an email from your EDU address and I will get you all the details to get your first year of Hogbeat for just $11.95. That's a really, really good deal. Uh, usually it's, as I said, it's about $100 and you're basically going to get it for $12. Uh, you want to get on that deal while you can. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, uh, but we did uh, flip the switch back on for that promo uh, recently. So reach out to me, andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com, and I will hook you up with all those uh, details. Yeah, you definitely want to do that if you're a student, especially with baseball season coming up. You want all of that premium baseball content because hogbeat.com, by far and away, the best baseball coverage for Arkansas baseball there is. Um, I really don't think it's close, but either way, uh, let's talk about – let's talk some more football, Hutch. Let's talk about junior days. It was the last weekend of junior days last weekend. Um, Alex Trader, our recruiting guy who's not here today, he – uh, did a notebook about that, but you also are caught up on all that. So tell us a little bit about that. I know there was a quarterback from Kansas that some people are, are excited about. Apparently he had a good visit as well. Yeah, I think that's probably the guy everyone wants to talk about as a, as a quarterback, and that's Avery Johnson. He's from Kansas. Uh, he's a high three-star recruit on rivals, a 5.7 three-star. This kid's been to Fayetteville multiple times, seems to have some genuine interest in Arkansas. Uh, I know he recently picked up offers from like Nebraska and maybe some other schools uh, that entered the mix, but it seems like Arkansas is high up on his list. Uh, he enjoyed getting to come and, and really kind of learn from uh, or talk to Kendall Bryles, kind of see how he would fit in the offense. Uh, if you want to see all of his comments about uh, his visit to Fayetteville, you can go check out Alex's notebook, as Mason was saying, uh, but he is a big time uh, quarterback, one of those one of those quarterbacks that, you know, the reason Arkansas didn't sign one in 2022 was because they really felt like they could get a big one in 2023. And, and one of those options is Avery Johnson. And so we'll see how that plays out, but he was far from the only one. I mean, just, you know, from Kansas alone, not exactly a super fertile recruiting ground. 
but their tight end commitment, Jaden Ham, uh, was in town along with tight end commit Shamar Easter. Both of those guys, they committed on back-to-back days back in, I want to say like August or something, September, early on. They were the first two commitments in the class. And uh, they, uh, this is the first time they've been to Fayetteville since. They've also added Luke Has, a, a third tight end commitment. And uh, I talked to Jaden about it. He, he admitted that there was a little bit of kind of apprehension about, you know, okay, what's going on? There's three tight ends. That, that's, that's kind of a lot. Um, but they, they were able to talk to the coaches. They kind of put them at ease, and they, they're very comfortable with it. They haven't met Luke yet, but they're really looking forward to meeting their future teammate. Uh, so that was a, a cool thing. And, and Jaden also mentioned that being a Kansas guy, he's also trying to get Avery Johnson to, to follow him to Fayetteville. So that's just a couple of Kansas guys. But there were several big-time prospects uh, in, in town over the past three weekends, and, and last weekend was no different. I saw you got to catch up with a guy from Alabama, Carmelo Overton, a linebacker. Um, what did you hear from him about his visit? Yeah, he was really excited. Uh, he's a guy, I remember where I was reaching out to recruits to see who all was going to be in town. And uh, Carmelo was like, man, I'm, I'm going to be there in January, on January 29th, but I'm also going to come back you know, over the summer. I'm going to be back for a game. This is a guy that is really fired up about Arkansas. He's another 5.73 star, which I need to digress here a little bit. A 5.73 star is not a bad thing. I know people freak out like, oh, we need all four and five stars. But a 5.73 star is a high three star. These are really good players. And if you could get a class full of 5.73 stars, you probably have a top 20, top 25 class every year. Uh, so that's pretty solid, you know, especially if you can sprinkle in a four star here and there as well. So Carmelo was very excited. He seems to really kind of, he liked how the coaches emphasize kind of education and, you know, guys actually graduating. Uh, it's always kind of refreshing to hear recruits talk about that and not just, oh, well, I think I fit in their system really well and I'll get to start right away. This guy was focused on, you know, the academic side as well. So uh, really encouraging words from him. Uh, and I'm trying to think of some other guys that were in town, they did host several 2024 prospects. I know it was technically a quote unquote junior day, uh, but there have been several 24, you know, sophomores uh, in town. Uh, Jaden Coleman was one, Daniel Cruz, uh, Brian Huff. That's an in-state kid, an in-state linebacker from Jonesboro, plays at Valley View High School. Uh, those guys were in town and it sounds like all of them enjoyed their time and plan to be back. And it's still early enough in their recruiting process that they could probably come back to Fayetteville two or three more times before they even think about making a decision uh, on where they want to be. So a uh, really solid group of prospects that were in town. And uh, if you can keep, keep the momentum going, I mean, they're, I think they're the number three class in the country right now for 2023. Uh, but that's because they've got, I want to say eight commitments already. It's tied for the second most in the country, one behind Georgia. Uh, so if you can keep that momentum going, uh, then that would be a, a really you know, positive step in the right direction for Arkansas to kind of build off of their nine-win season last year. All right. Well, changing gears to uh, the hiring of Deke Adams, new defensive line coach replacing Jamil Ashley. Um, looks like if you just look at this guy's resume, his history, he does not stay at a place for very long. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing, Hutch? Well, if you look at it, uh, it looks kind of similar to Sam Pittman's resume. He never really stayed anywhere very long as an offensive line coach. So that's just kind of the nature of the business. Uh, but I do know that there were some criticism, fans freaking out like, oh, I don't know about this because you know, South Carolina fans were not exactly super fond of him. And he was at Ole Miss during Lane Kiffin's first year when Ole Miss, their defense was like non-existent. Um, so uh, there, there is some, you know, level of concern there. Uh, but my, my pitch to people, I'm not trying to like argue and say, oh, well, trust Sam Pittman. He knows what he's doing, uh, even though I do think there's some truth to that. But also, Sam Pittman has shown that if a guy's not working out, if if Deke Adams gets here and does not work out as an assistant coach or he doesn't recruit well or whatever, he's not going to be here longer than one year. That that's just the fact of it. He is going to move on. He is not afraid of firing a guy if they are not living up to his standards. So I would not freak out. It's not like, for example, the Brett Bielema era where, you know, if he hired a coach, 
Kurt Anderson, he was going to latch on to him and be there and, you know, have him on staff until he was fired like himself. Sam Pittman's not going to do that. He's not going to wait around and let an assistant coach cost him his job. If, if Deke Adams does not do a good job, then he's going to be gone. So I, I would caution everyone to not just totally freak out yet. He may end up being a good hire and it's great. And we all look back and be like, man, why did we question this guy? Um, but then he may also not work out. And here in a year, we'll be talking about a new defensive line coach. So that's kind of how I view the whole situation. I would not be super concerned about it. You know, a, a position coach outside of the, you know, the two coordinators. Uh, those are the ones you got to really worry about for like an immediate impact, you know, on, on the field, that kind of thing. Well, I think as far as Deke Adams goes, the big question that everybody's going to have is, can this guy recruit? Because as we've mentioned, and as a lot of people talk about, the position that you need to recruit right now is defensive line, defensive tackle. So I, I know that, I mean, you probably aren't a Deke Adams expert, and you probably don't really know him personally. But do you think that he's going to be able to bring in um, some talent, maybe after the spring, kind of like they did last year, or before the spring, like – do you know if this guy's a good recruiter or not? I think he's got a history of coaching some really good players. I mean, everyone points to coaching Jadavian Clowney at, at South Carolina, but he was already there whenever he was hired as the defensive line coach. Um, he coached some All-Americans at North Carolina, I want to say, and obviously coached some good players at Mississippi State. Uh, so I'm not sure how good of a recruiter he is, but Sam Pittman's not going to hire somebody unless they can recruit, or at least he thinks they can recruit. Uh, I thought they might try to find a defensive line coach who's coming from a place that maybe had a good defensive lineman who's looking to transfer and might follow him to Arkansas. Uh, doesn't appear that's going to be the case, considering he's coming from Florida International that is just coming off of, a, I think, a 1-11 season. They were terrible last year. Um, so... Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure what exactly he brings to the table as far as recruiting, but the fact that he's been around for a while, I mean, he's been coaching for like two decades. So I think he's going to be a guy that uh, can, can recruit for Arkansas, uh, use those connections he's built up through the years, but is he going to start bringing in four and five-star recruits? Only time will tell on that. Uh, probably, probably seems like a stretch, but you just need somebody who can bring in some solid guys and then coach them up. Well, I, I like your outlook. I know a lot of people were a little upset. Um, some people thought that it was going to be someone else. And I think in a situation like this, like you said, only time will tell. And you mentioned if it doesn't work out, then he's not going to stick around. You know, Sam Pittman is going to get rid of him if it doesn't work out. So um, I, you just wait. You just wait. So that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Hogbeat Hour. Um not as much football news as we usually have, but we got to talk some basketball, got to talk some baseball. Everybody's excited for baseball. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Hutch, for being with me. And we'll talk to you next week.